we're talking about holiness, and I used to think that holiness was perfection, and only God is holy, so I believe that, but I used to think that you had to do all kinds of things and check all kinds of boxes. I learned that that's not possible, and then I started thinking, okay, holiness is this. It's only God, and you got no hope apart from him. True. You know that he includes you in that? He wants you to be holy. He calls you to do the things that he calls you to do. Last week we talked about obedience is this path to holiness. You feel God's holiness. You understand his holiness at times, but you actually participate it when you do what he says. You can't earn it, but you can live it out. And so with that, I want to remind you that we are empowered not by our efforts, but by God's amazing Holy Spirit. He's given you and I power. And this, like, played super well last hour because there was literally no power. And I was like, you know what? We're without electricity, but we're not without power. And I'm like, man, that preaches. Write that down. So what? What? What does it mean to be without power? What does it mean to not have power? Yes, we could say electricity, heat, hot water eventually, but maybe not that power. How is it to be powerless? What does that look like in our lives to be powerless? Helpless, alone, without any support or control? Scared. Somebody else has control. You're vulnerable. You're dependent. Hopelessness, absolutely, to be without hope. Because we're not that way. One of the things that I just kept coming to as we were just trying to figure out, what are we going to do? A friend of mine said, hey, you could borrow a couple of my generators. We're like, gosh, I don't even know what we would do with that. I mean, I know we could run an extension cord. It's got to be outside because it's gas. You're not going to have gas in here. That would be a real bummer. So I'm like, okay, um, thank you. I, I don't know. It felt a little bit more expectant than hopeless, though, because I have this, like, consistent call that God's got this. And he keeps reminding me that he's got it. Pastor John said that there's thousands, tens of thousands of people, probably closer to hundreds of thousands of people, that are without power as far as electricity, but they're not without power with regards to the Holy Spirit. They're bringing it. You know that in China, they have a lot of different places that they hide, but China is the fastest growing church in a place where you're not supposed to have a church that isn't government sanctioned. They have millions of people. Other parts of Asia, other parts of Africa, where there is like the Middle East, there are people coming to the Lord in so many significant ways. And I keep forgetting this is being recorded. Sorry. Go over here. The second hour, I usually, I'm free to do what I want to do. Now, I'm bound. But I still got power. You guys, these places where they're being opposed, so much good that's happening. There's so much growth that's happening. You know why? God can't be stopped. 
is people can be stopped, but God can't be stopped. And we're going to look at that today. Because you can't stop God. Not at all. Will you guys join me in Ecclesiastes? Some of you are like, man, Ecclesiastes. I love that book. Some of you are like, I've never heard of it. There's a guy named Solomon. And he wrote Proverbs and Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. And it's really, really kind of a, um, it's a bummer of a book, kind of. Except for the fact that it ends with, hey, apart from God, nothing's going to work. But you don't have to be apart from God. He's talking about meaningless, meaningless, everything's meaningless. Ooh, that's cheerful. That's why we love going to church. But right here, right kind of in the middle of this book, in Ecclesiastes 7.13, we get this little snapshot that I think is profound. Consider the work of God. You know what it means to consider something, right? It's to think about it, to ponder it. For some of you, you you've got like mechanically inclined minds. You have engineering type minds. You like to see how things work. You like to see how things break and then like to put them back together. Some of you are like technologically advanced. You understand considering something is like, how do I make this work? Well, consider the work of God. And then check this out. He says, as you consider it, who can make straight what he's made crooked? See, for me, if I was writing the Bible, I'd be like, how could anybody make crooked what God has made straight? Yeah, and then we snaps, and I'm like, oh, that's good. But this says, how can anybody make straight what he's made crooked? Do you know that sometimes, because God is so powerful and he can't be stopped, he uses some crooked stuff to get us straightened out? Anybody relate to that? Anybody have some of that stuff in life where they've had a loss, they've had pain, they've had agony, they've had discouragement? They've had the long way home, and on the way to the long way home, they came to Christ. If you don't know what that means, what I'm saying is you struggle, and you find that life gets a little bit crooked, and God is like, here I am. Because he can't be stopped. He uses everything, even things we never would. To kind of further that point, we're going to go to Isaiah 14, 27. Last week, we looked at Isaiah 14 because there's a lot about the enemy, the devil, Satan in there. But 1427 is just really kind of the snapshot that comes right alongside that God can't be stopped. For the Lord of hosts has purpose. And who will annul it? Who can stop that? His hand is stretched out. and Who will turn it back? I don't think any of you are willing to raise your hand. If you are, cool. If once you heard me say you're not willing to, you're like, try me. Like, okay. How many of you thought you could stop God? Like what he was doing, salvation, conviction, even comfort, help. Have you ever just thought to yourself, ah, nope, I got this, God. Leave me alone. How many of you thought like, oh, gosh, I need to help somebody because God's not showing up? How many of you thought that God is not doing his job, so you needed to step in? 
Well, today we're just going to look at some stuff where God is like, I won't be stopped. I never have been. He doesn't fret. He's not wondering about the electricity. He's not wondering about your finances. He's not wondering about your health. He's not unclear on the things that have happened to you or that you've done to others. He can't be stopped. And I think some of you need that encouragement today. Some of you need that reminder. Some of you need to be afflicted with that truth. You need to be, like, made uncomfortable with the fact that God cannot be stopped. Once he starts something, nobody can stop it. Once he makes something crooked, nobody can straighten it out. And once he makes something straight, nobody can make it crooked. He uses all kinds of cool things. I don't know how many examples come to your mind of God using some really difficult things, some crazy things, there's no way that would work type of things. We don't have time to just testify about all of that. Is there anybody who's sitting here right now that's like, I know I'm, I need to tell these people God can't be stopped, and here's how. Anybody got that for me today? Maybe online, type it in, talk to people. Right here, anybody got that? They got testimony. God can't be stopped. Yeah, John. <laughs> so he's rodeo guy, which we still love him. No, I'm just kidding. But he he was rodeo guy, was not following the Lord, in case you're not able to hear it. Get the people up front. Go ahead.
Um, You guys, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. And then he takes all kinds of opportunities. You guys, we could testify to this. If you're online, you didn't get to hear that. I'm not, like, trying to make you be punished or anything. I'm just saying, here's what's up. John Hunter, one of our elders, younger in his life, going to be this national champ, knee injury, blows that out, blows his chances out. He's pretty sure, all right, I'm done. I'm going to kill myself, and God breaks in. God can't be stopped. You can ignore him if you want to, but it doesn't stop him from being God. You can push him away, but it doesn't stop him from being God. It doesn't stop him from making things work the way he wants them to work. You can't look around here and go, oh, that's exactly how God would like that to work. Whether it's what's going on in Israel, what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on in Africa, what's going on in your backyard, what's going on in these people's front yard, You can't look around and go, oh, God wants people to suffer. God wants people to die. But God uses all of it. God flips the script so often, and I'm just here to say he can't be stopped. And so we're going to look at this in his word together today, how he can't be stopped. We're going to start in Acts 4, 29 through 30. This is a prayer that we've already read. We've already read Acts 4, but these guys get together and they pray. They were arrested. They were told to stop talking in the name of Jesus. And as they were released, they went together and they prayed. And we pick it up in Acts 4.29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They didn't say, God, help us out of this. They didn't say, God, please make it stop. They said, give us boldness. Give us the ability to speak your word. Continually, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We want you to do signs. We want Jesus to get credit for it. Fill us up. Have you ever prayed a prayer that you hoped God was going to answer? You ever prayed a prayer that was just kind of audacious and crazy and God said, yep. You ever had him do something you didn't think he was going to be able to do, but you just thought you'd ask him anyway? You know, when you actually talk to God and when you listen to God and when you understand God by his power, his Holy Spirit helping you to understand him, you can ask some things and you can do some things that on your own you just couldn't do. Reminded me of a quote from a South African pastor named Andrew Murray. He said, beware in your prayers of limiting God, not only by unbelief, but by fancying that you know what he can do. Expect unexpected things above all that we ask or think, and we pray that out of Ephesians 2. 
expect God to just do some crazy stuff. So God, I just ask that in a time, a day and an age where entertainment and teaching and comfort and all that is like this all-time high and pursued so amazingly, that you would use a little place in Stolton, Washington, because of your Holy Spirit, strengthen us and bring us to more and more of you. I pray for salvation in this man, in his perfect name. Amen. All right, so they pray this prayer, and a lot of things happen. God just explodes the church. It's going nuts. Last week, we talked about something that sounds a little crooked. God said no to lying, so much so that he did something crazy. What did he do? What do you guys remember from last week? Who remembers? What's that? He opened up earlier. We talked about that, right? He'd opened up the earth way back in the day. What did he do to his people, his church, right then and there? These people lied about what they were doing with their money, and what did he do? Yeah. He took them out. We would say, that's called murder. Not if you're God. God's pure and holy. And he was saying, I want my people pure and holy. Now, we say if he actually killed people for doing what was wrong, there'd be a lot more people doing what's right. There would be nobody left, Eric says. Anybody agree with that? <laughs> yep. But we're down for it. We're like, yeah, you should correct them. They should change. God is saying, you're my people. And I know that last week I said this, and I think some of you are uh, either uncomfortable with it or missed it, but... I think maybe instead of us asking, hey, God, how come so many bad things happen? We should ask, hey, God, how come you're so nice to us? Hey, God, how come you're so good to us? And it probably won't make any more sense than the bad stuff happening will. It's because he's awesome and he loves you. And he wants good for you. And he'll even take the crooked stuff and make good stuff come out of it. Here we go. We're going to Acts 5, and we'll go 12 through 20, take a little break, and then finish the rest of this chapter. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly being done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico, it was his porch, and nobody was trying to hide. I want you to see that through what we read, everybody had a chance to see God's power, his holiness, to have hope, to have joy. But many leaders were like, nah, we don't want that. They had so many opportunities to repent. Eventually, some did. But in this story, they didn't. Now, none of the rest dared to join them. But the people held them in high esteem. Hey, we see that God's doing amazing stuff, but we're afraid to jump in. What makes people afraid to jump in to following Jesus and being a part of his church. What do you think that is? What happened then? Sure, but what about now? Why do people not want to follow God or at least go to church? They esteem the church, but they don't want to be a part of it. What do you think? They don't want to give up their perceived control? Good. What else? Yeah, they'd get kicked out. They would actually not be able to be part of, these are religious leaders, they would lose their playing cards. People wouldn't esteem them highly, they'd make fun of them. What else? 
Nobody really wants to be held accountable. Persecution, being persecuted. Ooh, Tony says fear of the unknown. Say it again. Being prideful, they'd be embarrassed. If they had to admit that what they were teaching people was wrong and Jesus was right, they didn't like it, like want to be a part of it, but they esteemed it. Almost doesn't make sense. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter would walk by, at least a shadow might fall on them and heal some of them. That's nuts. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. People have taken this teaching to say, if you have enough faith, all of the problems go away. Look, it happened in the Bible. Well, God didn't kill everybody who lied, and he doesn't heal everybody who's sick today. But he did then. There was something special going on. Does he still heal people today? Does anybody have, like, just raise your hand if you've been healed or you know of a healing of something significant. Me too. Look, he is not to be stopped, nor is he to be controlled. He's to be worshipped. He's to be obeyed. He's to be followed. He's to be humble before. I know you've heard me say this lots of times, but I'll say it one more time and then probably next week and every other week. But anyways, we oftentimes say, look, when I get to heaven, I got some questions for God. That's what you think now. That's not how that um, reunited and it feels so good is going to go like. <laughs> this is going to be you before the Lord going, you're awesome if you can even get a word out your mouth. He's going to show how awesome he is and you and I are going to worship him. But we look at stuff like this and go, well, how come that isn't happening now? And some teachers will say, well, you don't have enough faith. How about this? Again, I asked last hour, and there was a ton of people that raised their hands. How many of you came to Christ because of something bad happening in your life, not something amazing? John just testified to it. Me too. I don't, I don't want to ruin your uh, image of this perfection that stands before you. Far from it. But... It was a sexually transmitted disease that I got and gave to my girlfriend that led me to my face. It led me to complete surrender to the Lord and the mom and dad who were not following the Lord when I was growing up that started following the Lord. And they were like so changed, it was really frustrating. Like, why didn't you change when I was in high school? Why didn't you change when I was inviting you to church? I was so prideful. Unlike now, I'm just so humble. It's a joke. You don't point out that you're humble. All right, anyways, you guys, seriously, God changes people, and he uses so many rough things. So maybe again, rather than saying, why isn't everybody healed? How about we start asking questions like, why don't more people come to the Lord through pain and agony for comfort and peace? Got to keep going. Here we go. Verse 17, 
So all this great stuff is happening. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles, and they put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Look, we're getting you out of prison. Like all the apostles, it sounds like, were with them. So it wasn't just a couple. There was 12 at least, probably more, that got imprisoned in the public prison. And they are supposed to stay there. You can't lock up God, though. You can't stop God. And so God's like, all right, I want you out. But not go home and pray about what you should do. Hey, not go home and high-five each other because God set you free. I want you to go right back to the place where they arrested you, and I want you to preach all the words of life to the people that are there. If you're with me, let's go to Luke eleven twenty-eight really quick. See a little something that Jesus has to say. That's a blessing. All kinds of cool stuff is happening. People are getting healed. All these things that are happening now were happening for the first time for all these people. And they were so stoked. And one lady just blurts it out. Oh, how blessed is your mama? Because she gave birth to you. And she nursed you. And he goes, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Look, you can hear cool stories. You can be excited at church, maybe. You can be stoked about your time in the Word. But unless you do something about it, you just had a moment. It's time to actually walk it out. And his mama walked it out. So he's not saying my mom isn't blessed. He's saying, look, the blessed people are those who hear the Word and they keep it. You want to be blessed? Keep God's Word. So back to this story. Angel says, go back into the temple. Speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak, and they began to teach. I love this so much. They didn't go there in the middle of the night when they got out, like, well, we did what you said, angel. Well, there was nobody there in the middle of the night. They waited till daybreak when there would be people there. Don't be an undercover brother. Don't be an undercover sister. Don't be an undercover Christian. Be somebody who stands up, stands out. I don't mean you need to get on your, like, kitchen table and yell at your family. I don't mean you need to go to the, the cafe at your work and stand on the table there during lunch and yell at people, but stand up for your faith. Be bold. Be strong. Be courageous. God's with you, and you can't be stopped. So when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. We got to talk to these guys. But uh-oh, a little something else is going on. They go to get him, but when the officers came, they couldn't find him in the prison. So they returned and they reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened it up, it wasn't all the people. They were gone. And why? And how? They're trying to figure it out. And when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. Could have come to repentance for them. 
could have came to obeying God, could have came to seeing God differently than what they thought, could have come to God making crooked what they thought was straight and them going, hey, God, you do good work. Instead, we found out earlier they were jealous and they kept that going. Someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are now standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force. (laughs) They were afraid of being stoned by the people. Look, we want to kill these people, but we might get killed by all of their audience, so let's just be chill with it. And when they brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Here you fill Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Friends, can you, will you look at that with me? It's going to be on the screen for you. This man's blood. What's the big deal about that? Yeah, but they can't say his name, Dennis. They won't say his name. Oh, is this dude? This guy. Yeah, that crucified guy. You're trying to put that on us. Well, only one reason. They gave him over to be killed. They should have been convicted. Instead, they're trying to just make it a little bit more palatable, a little more easy to take. But Peter and the apostles, verse 29, answered, we must obey God rather than men. Earlier in the story, they're like, hey, we'll let you judge what we should do. Now, they're bold. They're getting stronger. A little girl named Katrina. She's Paul and Colleen Wolfer's little girl, she was cold this morning. She breaks down right there on the floor and starts doing some push-ups. God, it's getting warm. I'm like, you're getting yoked too, right? You know what happens when you actually work out? I don't know. I haven't done it in a long time. But, no, you get stronger. When you work out your faith, you get stronger. These guys are exercising their faith and they're getting stronger. They're like, look. We must obey God rather than men, and then listen to this. The God of our fathers, and he's talking about all of them there, raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader, Lord, and Savior. To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins, that's an invitation. But we're witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit. Whom God has given to those who obey him. How do you hear God? Well, you got his word. You got songs. You got his Holy Spirit. You got you not ignoring it. And his power and his grace allows you to do that. And then you continue to grow in it by listening to him. But these people wouldn't listen because verse 33 says, When they heard this, they were enraged. And they wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, who was Paul's teacher, and you have to read the rest of Acts for that. He was a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people. Even though he was a Pharisee, even the Sadducees liked him. He had a lot of good to say and do. So he stood up, and he gave orders to put these men outside for a little while. Hey, kids, go out there. The parents are going to talk. And he said to them, men of Israel... Take care of what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody. And a number of men, about 400, joined him. 
He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas, the Galilean, rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men. Let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it's of God, you'll not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. He's looking at people that are at minimum 5,000 strong in a short amount of time after Jesus died, not before. He's like, there's something different about this. You might want to pay attention to it. I'll ask you really quickly, and this, as we put this question up on the screen, I want to let you know we have tons of people who are going through these questions. None of these questions are life-changing, but they're discussion conversation questions. Take some time to talk about what you've heard. Take some time to reread the passages. But this question is, was Gamaliel's advice good or bad? I'm going to let you decide. But I think you can make a case for both. This is a good thing to discuss. Was this guy's advice good or bad? And now we'll finish with verse 40. So they took his advice. And when they called in the apostles, they beat them. Not, hey, you're going to take a couple. They beat them, flogged them is what it says. They got 39 lashes. Because 40 would have killed people is what they say. So they beat them close to the end of their lives. He said, leave them alone. And they're like, we will. After we teach them a lesson. And so they beat him, told him not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then they let him go. When they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. They didn't have brain damage. They believed Jesus when he said back in Matthew 5.12, rejoice when people persecute you on my account. And every day, verse 42, it says in the temple and from house to house, so where was it that they did this? Everywhere. They did it in big church, and they did it in small groups. From house to house, in the temple, every day. They didn't listen to these people who just beat the snot out of them. They're like, we got to listen to God. So they didn't cease teaching and preaching that Christ, that the Christ, that the Messiah is Jesus. So how do you move towards Jesus today? Got to get you out the door. There's little kids downstairs that are probably colder than normal, so we're going to get to this. Some of you need to actually submit to God. Don't just come to church. Don't just go to church. Don't just do nice things about the church. It's time for you to come to Jesus. It's time for you to admit, submit that he is God, that you are not. The Bible says it nice like this in Romans 10, 9 and 10. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you'll be saved. And that's it. That's where you start, but you don't stay there. You actually follow this leader, this Lord, this Savior. And for many of you, you've done that, but you've kind of lost your way. You've done a lot of different things, and you're wondering right now, can I actually turn back to him even though I've already prayed that prayer? And I should be further than where I'm at. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You're breathing? Come on back. Turn around. Repent. Trust him. Believe him. Stop limiting him. Ask him for forgiveness for limiting him. 
No more disobedience. You obey. Many of you, you're past that. You obey him. But you're not very bold with your faith. And so I call you to pray for boldness. Move towards Jesus and believe him and trust him and know that he can't be stopped. He actually wants to use you to plant seeds and water. He'll make it grow. Some of you, you find yourself sharing, but you only actually share the good stuff. The stuff that's easy to share. The stuff like, everything's positive. You know that it's the bad stuff that about, I don't know, 40 of us raised our hands and said it was the bad stuff that brought us to Jesus. Share the good news. Even if it's so bad. Pray that you share all the things. Not just the things that make you laugh. God, we can't stop you, so I pray that we don't try. I pray that we would have very quick obedience and maybe even quicker repentance when we disobey. God, I thank you for these men, for these women, for these children. Thank you for the opportunity to have a service, second service, in the light, so to speak, and with electricity and power and heat and all that. But I thank you, Lord, that you can't be stopped by any circumstances. So may we believe you. May we be strong and courageous. And may we let it be contagious. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.